Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Well, my fellow adventurers, Zoop has now had enough of that whole curse thing and, and being chased by massive hordes of undead wherever he goes. He prefers to seek out his own massive hordes of undead. Yes, it's, it's on his initiative that he fights the undead. And so he's going to do something about it. With a little bit, with a little bit of help. Well, a lot. Here's the adventure. The Emblazoned Key, Part 3. The Lady of Fallen Tree. These three men will guide you to the wounds of Fallen Tree, says Emlet Haver. There, in the sanctum of our most ancient shrine, you will find the deliverance you seek. You must make haste. The curse that affects you grows stronger with every day that passes. It may soon be beyond our power to defeat it. And I can't... I don't know whether Corotel will save me again. Because, well, presumably Corotel has a lot of commitments. And is possibly evil. Uh, I imagine he's doing lots of stuff with all... She's doing all sorts of stuff with Otohuk, including building that huge fortress. And it begins. The sun has only just poked its blazing whim above the eastern hill when you meet with Emlethara in the overgrown courtyard behind the Wed Wed. She's not alone. Three men, their grim faces, chain shirts and bored soldiers. Soldiers shoulders, <laughs> serving to hint at both their purpose and potency, stand behind the young woman. Imadek steps forward and congratulate, steps forwards and meets you on the shoulder cross, immediately congratulates you on the, inc- on the acquisition of the first part of the emblazoned silhouette of a Takabak, a symbol now adorning the palm of your left hand. About to ask her how she came to find out about the symbol, which you have not yet revealed, or she, or she says next causes you to lose your current train of thoughts. The curse of Blacktor can be defeated, she says. In Fallen Tree, the oldest of the shrine, our shrines, you will find the means to rid yourself of it. Fallen Tree lies in ruins, and reaching it will be no easy task. It lies in the mist of Dragonmere Deep. Oh no. I mean I mean I've had I've had some adventures there and they've they've all been very messy and mucky. Emid Haya tells you that although Fallen Tree, the most sacred temple of her faith, Lies, ta- lies hidden in the tangled southern reaches of the perilous swamp known as Dragonmere Deep. She, aw- she has arranged for three experienced guides to lead you to the lost swine. She turns and motions to the three men standing behind her. They promptly step forward and bow, introducing themselves as Gyar, Waynelor and Jod. Both Jod and Raylor appear to be quite a few years younger than Gar. His grey beard and weathered features do nothing to conceal his advancing age. These three men will guide you to the ruins of Fallen Tree, says Emilitar. There, in the sanctum of, the, of our most ancient swine, you will find the deliverance you seek. You must make haste. The curse that afflicts you grows stronger with every day that passes may soon be beyond our power to defeat it. And should the curse consume you, then all will be lost. Hmm. 
maybe they should have considered that before when they started just throwing curses around. But oh well. You live and learn. You live and learn. Except the undead. They, they don't learn because they don't live. With a few exceptions. Ebedhar tells you that you must find a statue of the headless lady in Fallen Tree and, while leaning, cast three marked stones at her feet. Before you can ask about the stones, she hands you a leather pouch, cinched close by a length of thick string. Here it is, a pouch of marked stones. Let's have a look at them. Leather pouch, cinched at the top by a length of thick string, contains three small square stones. Each of the stones bears a single mark emblazoned in black. The first stone is emblazoned with the silhouette of a skull. The second is emblazoned with the silhouette of an eye. And the third is emblazoned with the silhouette of a moon. <laughs> that, can, that contains the three mark stones, he says. You need only cast them down the feet of Our Lady's statue. The stones bear symbols, which I'm certain you're familiar. When you when, when you've done this, the curse of Black Tor should be lifted from you. You will then be free to continue your quest to find the remaining parts of the emblazoned symbol that will ultimately unlock the lowest levels of the labyrinth. One of your guides, Gra. A boarding man with a short cropped grey beard steps forward and initiates a shoulder cross. Let me say I'm honoured to be able to serve you on your mission, she says, speaking with with noticeable accent common to those dwelling in the far southwestern region region of Telsa. Both Jod and Wagner voice similar sentiments, both of them also stepping forward to meet you with a shoulder cross. They're good men, Zoop, says Emmetar, taking you aside, as your three guides gather up their equipment and provisions. Like me, they're adherents to our forgotten faith. I've only asked that they lead you to Fallen Tree. For there is no question that, question that any one of them would lay down his life in your defence, the need should ever arise. They are all... They are all master woodsmen and adept wires, and perhaps the only living souls to have ever been to us, been to the site of a most ancient sanctuary. They will get you to the ruins. On that part, point, I am, I am certain. Emma Taylor wishes you luck and tells you she will pray for success of your mission and for your safe return. She then wishes the same to each of your free guides. Well, the first thing to do is find our way out of High Meadow, says John, smirking. I think the thoroughfare that one's past the inn will be just the sort of thing for that. Waiting our study appears to your left, leading a horse in your direction. Everyone that tells you she will seem to the acquisition of four reliable steeds for your mission. It will be best to leave your own horse behind, she says. It will be... it will be... Tended for you. I think you will find these horses quite remarkable. Gar moves up to your side and whispers to you the horses have had enchantments placed upon them, greatly increasing their stamina. He tells you the four of you will reach Dragomir Deep much more swiftly than would normally be expected. Bidding farewell to Emletalia. You mount up and fall in with your three newfound companions as you prepare to set off on the first leg of what you hope will prove to be a swift and uneventful journey, with Aimliet Harla standing against the courtyard wall, waving as you depart, gearwise to the front of your small company, and leads the way out of High Meadow. The journey out of the Heart Hills proceeds without incident, as you and your guides make your way steadily north and east, along a series of rugged, twisting roads that will ultimately turn into the Talinorian Pike, 
and you begin to learn something of your companions' backgrounds and the reasons reason they were chosen to escort you on your tr on your trek to the ruined temple. There's a link to Tellurian Pike. This ancient highway connects connects Titus' capital, Talonus, to many central, western, and northeastern portions of the kingdom. Much of the pike is patrolled by Titian soldiers and border rangers, for a good portion of it is either infrequently patrolled or not patrolled at all. It isn't uncommon for travellers to hire guards to escort them along the more dangerous sections of the pike. I'm guessing this this pike is a is a remnant of the old travel system, where rather than just choosing where you go, you had to go along roads and stuff. And oh, yes, it was fun, but it made it very difficult to put new places in, and it and it made travelling a long way time-consuming. Right, it's probably for the best that the old travel system was abandoned. Right, it worked out, it worked out, so... Gar, by far the eldest of the three, tells you he was born and raised in Sevenhorn, a, a remote settlement in the southwest corner of Tysa. Always fascinated by the dangers and secrets of the wilds, he spent most of his life hunting and exploring the North Broadlands. Your interest in his meandering account is subtly piqued when the bearded huntsman mentioned he once served as a tracker for Jurig Althroth, a personage better known to you and all as the Troll Hunter. When you reveal to Gar some of the details of your own experience as a member of Jig's Jurig's rugged company, the woodsman is visibly taken aback. Surprise quickly gives, gives way to what you can only describe as a look of profound admiration. Well, how is old old Jurig still chasing trolls? So I hope. If ever a man was good at something, he was certainly good at that. You describe for Gar a few of the small more of the smaller adventures you had with Jig and his crew, edging your tail with your return to Trithic on that foggy dawn, which now seems longer ago than you care to remember. Now I wonder in this, in this adventure, if you hadn't done the Troll Hunter series, would you get different text, or would you just not be allowed to do this? Well, there's only one way to find out, and that's to somehow get this far without doing the Troll Hunter adventure. And that's that's a lot of work for one for a few paragraphs of text, so I don't think I'm doing that. But if someone is playing through the game again, may, you you might as well find out why you're doing so. Well, this is a welcome revelation, says Gar, slapping your shoulder. I expected an adventure. Though perhaps I'm through perhaps not one so accustomed to traipsing through the wild. I'll be asking you again about Jurig. My time with him and his men was short. But it left quite an impression on me. There's something about the experience I've never been able to shake. And my time... That left an impression on me too. And not just the 2480 I got at the end of the adventure. I learned something. For sure. In conversing with your two other guides, you learn that Jod, who frequently mentions that his full name is Jod Longguy, sure a lot of Jods around, hails from Mugsbrook though he has spent the better part of the last decade as both a guide and a guard. He tells you he has most recently been providing his services to travellers, 
making the often dangerous overland journey from Twithick to Talinus. Goblins, bandits, and now and again an ogre, he says, wincing as he says the word ogre. I've seen what there is to see on the roads, and in the woods. I've heard you're no stranger to peril, Zoop. You'll have to tell me something of your travels when there's a chance. Then again, and again, let me say, I'm honoured to share this adventure with you. The most reserved of your guides, Wellinor, says nothing of himself, though you're quick to note that he wears a skull-shaped stone amulet, this odd piece dangling from a weathered length of twine around his neck, hands over the front of his scarred leather gherkin. That little prize was given to me by the Grey Mage herself, says Gar, apparently having taken notice of you as you glanced at the amulet. Yes, it has the power to summon dragons and turn giants into stone. That That's why we keep Wellinor with us. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's not... I think that's an exaggeration. Wellinor rolls his eyes as both Gar and Jod burst into laughter. Gar slaps Wellinor on the back and painfully elbows you in the weird whips as he manoeuvres his steed to the front of the company. I don't know what it's... I don't know what it's for, says Wellamore, as if taken, taking a moment to carefully craft his words before speaking. I do know that it's always seemed to have brought me luck. It, eh, ever seen anything like it, Soup? Well, there was one skull-shaped amulet I got. Way, 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 way back. When I was investigating the secret of Stoneback Hill. And that one exploded. So it's probably nothing like that one. And so. With the friendly and never tiresome chatter of your three guys hoping to pass the time. The four of you atop your tireless mounts. Wind your way out of the heart fit holes. Through a flat expanse of open forest, and at last reach, reach the Talorian Pike. Patrolled by his majesty's soldiers, says Gar, waving his hand in both directions along the crumbling highway. The next small bit, however, isn't under any sort of watch. At least not any I've ever encountered. Keep your eyes open. Hmm. So will something happen? It's a possibility. I think it's. I probably should remember. I've done this about about five times before, but I forgot. As an undetermined number of mile, an undetermined number of miles pass as you and your three guides ride steadily eastward along the pike, despite the serene countryside that draws up before you, and just as quickly falls away behind. You be. You've refused to be lulled into a false sense of security. A lifetime of adventure has taught you, sometimes the hard way, that deadly peril is often only a breath away, waiting to reveal itself only when least expected. As, as you wide, your thoughts turn to the curse of Black Tor. While there has been no evidence of the effects of your curse since your return to High Meadow, you can feel its sinister presence weighing upon your soul. You hope that the trek to Fallen Tree will forever rid you of the haunting affliction. It is near midday when you pass by a deserted ramshackle inn stables. The watting abandoned structures inexplicably elicit elict a growing sense of un unease amongst you. And your guides. Gar seems especially concerned as his keen eyes scour both sides of the pike. A shrill whistle shatters what had been a momentary silence. Your head snaps to the left as you instinctively follow the sound. Several yards away, 
the end of the road. A feathered shaft protrudes from the grass at the base of a knotted elm. Ambush! cries Jod, rapidly turning left and right in the, in the saddle as he attempts to catch sight of your unseen assailants. You urge your steeds forward and quickly turn, hoping to place yourself in position to counter any impending attack as your eyes fall back along the road to the west. Nearly a dozen ragged men, some clad in studied leather, bolt from the undergrowth at the end of the pike and set upon your three guides. As your companions move to engage the bandits, you spot a bowman standing at the edge of the woods, just to the south of the road, taking aim at Gar. Oblivious to the peril from behind, Gar struggles to fend off an axe-wielding assailant. Out of the corner of your eye, you spot Raynor leaning down from his horse to engage the high maiden who have pulled Jod from the saddle. So, two options. Do I rush forward and aid Wellinor and Jod? You know what? I think they can probably handle themselves. Um, after all, they're only bandits. And bandits are, with very few exceptions... Never much of a threat to proper warriors. In fact, they should probably run away by now that they realise, dude, these people are, like, super serious. <laughs> or attempt to prevent the bowmen from targeting Gar. I think that, that look, looks like the greater threat because... He, he's not, he, he doesn't know about it, so he can't defend against it. I'll do that. You turn your horse towards the bowman and charge ahead, determined to prevent him from loosing his arrow at Gar. As you rapidly close in on the highwayman, he turns in your direction and releases a feathered shaft. The deadly missile whistles through the air, streaking for your chest. Picking a number. Bonus of 40. 20 from horsemanship. 20 from agility. Got to get 75 or more. Or I get myself shot. Pick now. 65. Failure. You stifle an agonised cry as the arrow tears into your side, opening a wide, red gash. I take 18 damage. Oh, yeah. They're all just going to feel so bad about this, my guys. The whole point was to stop me from getting hurt, and I went and got myself hurt. Wounded, but alive, you wench the arrow from your flesh and cast it aside. After hurriedly tending to the deep wound, you turn and prepare to leap into the fray alongside your companions. Before you can join the fight the tide of battle swiftly turns against the highwaymen yep yep as i suspected these highwaymen bandit people no match for my three stalwart companions or me if you know i wasn't busy getting shot at uh, as quickly as it began, the deadly skirmish of the highwaymen is over. The remaining bandits scatter into the trees on either side of the pike, quickly disappearing into the dense foliage. How would you consider going straight? Because the next people might, you might not survive the next one. Yeah, consider going straight, okay? Just, just think about it. Although a good number of the bandits of the have escaped. Several of their number lie dead on the road. I'm surprised they came after us as they did, says Gar, as he tends to the wounds on his side. They're usually a more cowardly lot. Perhaps they haven't seen many travellers of late. Apart from a few small cuts and bruises, both Renault and Jod have made it through made it through the fight relatively unscathed or seems to concern your three guides Gar three guides the most however is you I'm glad to see you're alright says Gar I know you can handle yourself 
but you must realise realize our position. We've been entrusted to get you to Fallen Tree, and that's precisely what we intend to do. Yeah, yeah, I know, I probably should have. Pro probably should have, like, cut, turned down the heroism, but I don't know how. You can't, it's not something you can just turn off. Before moving away from the scene of the attack, the four of you move the bodies of the slain bandits to the side of the road, and then make a quick search of the remains. Your search turns up the following. 38 gold tokens, and 5 common weapons. A spear, short, 2 short swords, 2 long swords. Thankful to survive the bandit ambush, you and your guys promptly resume your trek along the Tellurian Pike, eager to put the attack behind you and proceed with the mission. Now, I'm going to guess whoever's go, but whoever's going to go along the road next, they're going to have a much safer journey. So I guess I should be thankful for that at least. Mile after mile passes beneath the hooves of your tireless steeds as late afternoon wanes to dusk. Gar and the others suggest setting up camp for the night somewhere off the road. Jod tells you, though you already know that the Tellurian Pike is a particularly dangerous place after, after dark. Of course, the decision is yours, says Gar. If you'd rather press on, we'll certainly make no quarrel about it. You know what? After I got after I got you all worried that time with with the arrow wound, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm gonna listen to you about the whole guard stuff. Decide to set up camp for the night. You decide it would be best to rest and resume your journey at morning's first light. Your three guides all agree. It is likely the better decision. Uh, both Jard and Win are wired ahead to scout out suitable places in which to set up camp. Wendell returns a short while later, and you and Gar follow him to the hills south of the highway. There, the base of a steep, jagged hillock, Jod has already begun clearing a spot for a fire. Jar, Gar quickly tells him, it'd be wiser to go without one. We needn't attract any unwanted attention, he says his tone bearing just a hint of admonishment. We've got plenty for us to eat that doesn't need to meet the flame. And it's warm enough. For that, we can be truly thankful. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Especially considering a horde of undead could just decide to turn up. Because I am cursed. I am so cursed. The spot cho chosen by... By Wellu and Job provides both good vantage of the pike to the north and adequate cover. Sitting in the camp with your three guides, you feel secure, despite the vast, lonely wild that surrounds you. At last, after many swap stories, most of which are told by Gar, the four of you decide it's time to turn in. Now, who's going to have the first watch this way in all? Not Lorik, yawning loudly, as if to invoke pity. So, I can take the first watch, or I can let one of my guides take the first watch. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Really, I have no idea how to make this, to make this choice. So, I'll, I'll let one of my guides take the first watch. Jod takes the first watch, as he takes a seat on the broad, flat rock at the edge of the camp. You, Gar, and Wenor settle down for some much-needed rest. With your mind tirelessly poring over the details of your mission, you drift into an uneasy sleep. You wake with a start, lifting your head from your makeshift pillow. You rise to your robos and attempt to peer through the surrounding darkness. During only a few moments... The moon slips out from behind the ceiling of cow clouds and drapes its bright, ghostly light across the camp. You easily spot Jod, standing at the edge of the forest, staring off into the trees. 
estimating it must be past the after midnight. You're curious as to why he's not yet roused someone else for their turn at the watch. Your approach seems to startle him. He turns and tells you he was lost in thought. You suddenly become aware of the distinct smell of distant smoke. Smoke. Can you smell that smoke? asks Jod. It's not very close to us, though. wonder where it's coming from. Must be a fair cloud of it somewhere. For several minutes of you, minutes, the two of you stand in silence as you listen to the sounds of the forest and take in the pungent aroma of the far-off smoke. At last, Jod tells you to get, to get some rest. He says he will have Raynor take over the watch. So do I take the next watch or do I let Raynor take it? I, I think I'll, I'll take the next watch, I'm so, it's, it's only fair. Hmm. And it's probably safer to do it now because well, I, don't, I don't know, I don't, do, I don't plan ambushes. I don't know when in the night you do an ambush. I'll probably lean towards midnight. Because then it's darkest and you have the most time to do things. But Besides, I'm going to take the next watch myself. You convince Jod to let you have the next watch. Within minutes, he's fast asleep. And you spend the remainder of your vigil listening to the snores of your companions. The scent of the distant smoke lingers in the air. But seems to lessen by the time you wake Gar for his watch. As Gar takes his place at the edge of the camp. You drift into an uneasy sleep. Your slumber is plagued, plagued by several terrifying dreams. In one dream, the twisted, vile face of what can only be described as a demon stares down at you. Its long, yellow fangs dripping with black venom. Suddenly, demon face vanishes, replaced by the smiling faces of, of your three guides. As quickly as they disappeared, the faces of Jod, Gar and Willard are gone as your mind wanders and you drift out in and out of countless unremembered dreams. Presumably, a lot of my dreams are fitting in or are me just fitting in all the things that I am permanently haunted by. Because I am permanently haunted by a lot of things, so I guess... I guess sometimes they just, yeah, 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 that permanent haunting, haunting memories of that, that thing, yeah, take a number, take a number. He's got, he's permanently haunted and has bad dreams about a lot of things. You, know, you can only have so many dreams a night, maybe you have to come in every other night. Jod rouses you just before dawn. To the woken smell of freshly brewed paleo. Gar's objections to the fire on the previous evening seem to have been forgotten. Yeah, I guess, I guess a, a fire is a lot less noticeable in the foredawn than it would be when it's really dark. I'm guessing. And also, presumably, whatever caused that smoke last night, that's Probably giving off more light. The grey-bearded guide smiles as he thrusts a steamy wooden mug into your waiting hands. I expect we'll cover a good bit of ground today, he says. Resting the night has gone my old bones some good, he says. Of course. This spot of paleo is hoping too. In just a few short minutes, the four of you are back in the saddle and widening away from the base of the jagged rock under which you made your camp. Moments later, your horses burst through the dense undergrowth that flanks both sides of the pike and trot back onto the ancient highway. You've gone less than a dozen miles from where you camped, where you've come upon a shocking scene. A small village, divided at the woe, has been burned to the ground. The fire appears to have been quite intense, as nearly all of the sediment structures are now little more than massive heaps of smouldering ash. You suddenly realise this must have been the source of the smoke you smelled last night.
as you ride towards the destroyed village, your eyes scouring the burning village for any sign of danger or survivors. Your company is suddenly met by a group of soldiers picking through the charred debris that lisses the edge of the pike. The soldiers question you and your guides for several moments, then tell you that they discovered the raised village at dawn. Only a few bodies have been recovered, and it's not known where the other villagers ended up. You wish the soldiers luck as they continue to shift through the smouldering mains, and in turn they urge you to stay safe on the road. As you and your guys wide away, you turn and look at back at the smoking ruins. An eerie feeling comes over you, as if you, as your eyes descend upon the fire-ravaged village. You find yourself unable to shake the dreadful suspicion that the destruction of this settlement is somehow connected to your mission. Now, I think if I don't camp for the night, I'll be able to save this village. So I'm going to quit without saving so I can do that. Okay, this time I didn't get shot by the ban by the bandit. You twist in your shadow, narrowly dodging the streaking arrow. Your charge carries you past the bowman, and you manage manage to deal with the panicked archer. A single well-placed blow that sends him sprawling to the ground. Your steed slows and then turns. You look back in time to see your bowman stagger to his feet and flee to the forest. And flee to the forest as the tide of battle swiftly turns against the highwayman. Alright, uh, yeah, and it continues. Yeah, they dealt with the West easily enough. Anyway, I get some gold, some loot. Alright, now let's press. Now we can. Now we answer the choice. We can press on or set up camp. Let's press on because we tried setting up camp and the village got destroyed. And I don't like that. Press on through the night. Your decision to press on through the night seems to surprise your three companions. Gar says, says that while, while the pike is more dangerous after dark, resting the wild holds dangers of its own. We're to get you to Fallen Tree, he says, as Waylor and Jod wide ahead to scout out the road. And the sooner we do that, the better. I think you've made the right decision. Let's just keep our eyes and ears open. With darkness swift, swiftly closing in around you, you and your guides ride steadily eastward along the wide, deserted highway. Haven't gone far when Aenor, scouting the road ahead, turns and rides swiftly back. He draws up to you in Gar, tells you that he and Jod both smell smoke coming from somewhere up ahead. A lot of smoke, he says, raising an eyebrow. Jod's gone on to have a look. Wait, here he comes now. Jod returns and announces that a small settlement, sprawled out through the trees on either side of the pike, is ablaze. I didn't get close enough to see it all, he says. As your nose detects the first hint of smoke, I'm surprised we can't see the glow from here. In no time at all, your four seeds are thundering along the pike towards an orange glow and a thick, low-hanging pall of black smoke that hovers just above the forest on either side of the road. As you round a sharp bend, your airy, weary eyes fall upon a shocking scene. A small village, divided by the road, is engulfed in flames. The fire appears to be burning for quite some time, as many of the settlement structures are now little more than massive heaps of smouldering ash. As you ride towards the blaze, your eyes scouring the burning village for any sign of danger, you begin to discover dozens of charred bodies, many of them strewn across the world. Urgh, even now I'm too late! But hopefully not too late for everybody. Apart from the towering flames that continue to consume the settlement, 
you can see nothing moving. Gar, his face bearing a deep crimson pallor in the flickering glow of the fire, rides up next to you in size. You immediately sense his unease. I don't like this, he says. I believe this place is called Westgrove. Not certain of it. Something's not right about this. We need to be careful. So, I can investigate the burning settlement and presumably try to save anyone who's left. Or I could decide to ride on. Because, yeah, this is almost certainly a trap. Presumably a trap planted by Woundskin himself or any of the other forces that don't want me to get to the bottom of the mad. And that's a few of them. And even the ones that do want me to get to the bottom of the mad, they don't necessarily mean the best for me. Use divination to give me some clues. You succeeded. 8x speed to divination. You instantly sense the presence of a powerful evil somewhere within the burning settlement. Beyond that, nothing else is clear. Well, if there's a powerful evil, obviously I have to fight it. Investigate the burning settlement. Your decision to investigate the burning village is met with grim nods from your three companions. The four of you dismount and leave your horses tethered at the edge of the road away from the blaze, then, with weapons drawn, and your wary eyes scouring the smoke-filled gloom for any sign of danger, you move cautiously into the fire-engulfed settlement. Raynor suddenly cries out in alarm, and the four of you turn to the white, just as a small building dust off the ash-covered lane, collapses into a heap of cinders and black, smouldering timbers. You instinctively fall back and draw yourself into a defensive stance as a shadowy, hulking figure begins to emerge from the smoke, billowing up from the incinerated structure. What under the eyes of the Allfather is that? Gar, having tightened his grip on the hilt of his sword, turns to you as if seeking an answer to his question. Both Raynor and Jod, their weapons held at their ready, keep their terror-stricken gazes locked onto the monstrous figure slowly emerging from the wall of fire and smoke. The beast that steps into view, stomping through the ash piled high amidst the remains of the building, burning building, is one that almost defies description. Fortunately, good old Matt is very good at describing things. So, almost defies description, means he can describe it perfectly well. A towering ogre, over half of its grey leathery flesh replaced with iron, steps out of its the ruins, its thick fingers gripping the haft, haft of a heavy spiked club. A series of clanking sounds echo above the crackle of the raging fire, as the partly mechanicized creature pivots its head in your direction. A cyborg in a fantasy series. <laughs> now that's unexpected. Your heart suddenly, well, in a medieval fantasy series, your heart suddenly skips a beat as you catch sight of a sinister symbol emblazoned onto the ogre's plated torso, a clawed hand clutching an eye. You immediately recognise the orange, shimmering symbol to be the mark of wound skin. With a savage snarl and a single, seemingly effortless swipe, swipe of his club, the fearsome iron ogre smashes down the one nearby wall still standing. Which of you is the one time supposed to find? He growls, his half-iron head slowly pivoting as his cruel gaze falls upon each of you in turn. Fearing this formidable minion of Woundskin will attack your three guys 
and realising that it's you he's seeking, you boldly step forward, wrenching free from Gar's grasp as the grey-bearded woodman attempts to hold you back. Look, we're supposed to stop you from dying! <sighs> look, look, one of us... Look, it can kill one of us and then it can go. We're expendable, you're not! The Iron Ogre snarls triumphantly, but of course I wouldn't accept that. Accept them going in my place. You defiantly demand the ogre in question tell, tell you what it is he wants. Without answering your question, the Iron Beast raises his left hands and then thrusts it out in the direction of your three guys. As if struck by a powerful blast, blast of energy, your companions tumble backwards several yards before landing, landing in a smouldering heap of ash and charred woods. Oh, I hope they're okay, because I don't know how to get to that place. And they're my friends. So the want is you, snarls the ogre, his heavy footfall shaking the ground as he stomps towards you. And what I can see, want fits you as well as any description might. With that, the ogre, a fearless champion, who long ago, and entered into the service of his immortal master, swipes out at you with his massive spiked club. You narrowly dodged a deadly blow and swiftly counter, praying your bold tactic will give your companions enough time to escape. This this is Iron Moore the Reviled. Ah, oh, that's a cool name. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean I'm not gonna smash you to pieces, Iron Moore the Reviled. Okay, he is crazy tough. He is an 18 plus. So I'll use my normal super tough situation thing of the Wand of Dragonfire. A deafening roar fills the air as a powerful breath of fire explodes from the tip of your iron wand. Your enemies consumed by the ravaging flames, taking 101 points of damage. The half-metal ogre swipes at you with his iron club. And the enemy smashes, smashes through your defences with a devastating blow for 29 damage. Okay, time to... Neverall Energy Blast. Oh, it's got resistance. Okay, resistance, resistance, that means time for necromancy, wave touch. Your wave-like touch sends a deathly chill through your enemy for 63 damage, and then for 45 damage, then for 51 damage, another devastating blow for 24 damage, then 37 damage, and then it is slain! Yes. Good job it doesn't also have good good job Woundskin didn't give give Iron Maul the Reviled a powerful anti magic aura. Then I would be in a little bit of a sticky wicket and would just be stuck waiting for hours for the Wand of Dragonfire to recharge. And that's not as much fun. Down he goes. 11 XP. That, that's it. That's it. It's just regular... It's just the regular combat experience you get for something that difficult. That's it. For defeating something that tough. Okay. And 256 experience to jam. Okay, it's not so bad. But still, pretty, pretty modest. The Iron Ogre staggers forward and sinks to his knees amidst the ashes and embers that litter the lane. Then, as the wounds that widow his flesh rapidly begin to disappear, he rises to his feet and steps back. Oh, of course, he's bloody immortal too. They're all bloody immortal. There's too many bloody immortals around here. 
shimmering field of silver sparkles suddenly envelops the fat massive creature. Seconds later, when the sparkles have vanished, there is no longer any sign of the fearsome beast. Gar, Renor and Jod, having pulled themselves out of the the smouldering heap under which they were tossed, arrive at your side. Gar places his hand on your shoulder and then motions towards the road. Without a word, the four of you make your way through the burning village and back to the pike. I'm guessing there's nobody left to save. And that's a bugger. That is a bugger indeed. What a Runeskin, you're such a bastard, you know that. You really are, you're such a bastard. Then, you, you could have placed your ambush anywhere. Anyway, you could just had it stand in the road, put it behind a tree, just gate it in. You could have, you could have attacked me at any time, any place. But you had to destroy a village. Just... For reasons. For no reason. You went and destroyed a village. They didn't even kill me. You destroyed a village for nothing. You're a bastard, Woonskin. You're such a bastard. And admittedly... I... Sorry about that. <laughs> you're, just, you're just awful, you know, Woonskin. You are awful. And someday, I am going to get you. I'm going to get to the bottom of the man. I'm going to retrieve the sword of Mazak. I'm going to do something with that hammer of icy wire. And I'm going to smash you into tiny, tiny little pieces. And because you're immortal, each of those pieces will still be in searing pain. Forever! Okay, maybe that's a bit. Alright, I'm going to take those pieces and throw each of them into lava. And, you'll, and I'll make sure the lava's just hot enough that you heal back exactly as quickly as you burn. <laughs> Something like that. Or I could just destroy you permanently. That's probably a smarter idea. <sighs> Yeah, things did. Uh, even if I turned up, the village wasn't saved. Well, back to the road. Back on the road, you quickly retrieve your horses, and within moments of you, moments, the four of you are swiftly riding away from the burning settlement. Eventually, the smell of smoke. The orange glow of towering flames disappear as you and your guides continue on your eastward course. As you ride, you find your thoughts continually returning to the firing gold village and the iron go ogre whose chest bore the symbol of Woundskin. We're lucky to have left with our lives, says Gar. What that thing was, I don't care to know. But we need to be more careful to see our task through. I don't think I'll ever forget what I've seen tonight. Few words were exchanged for the duration of the night's ride, as uncounted miles slip away beneath the pounding hooves of your tireless steeds. The world beyond, beyond the destroyed settlement proves largely, and thankfully, uneventful. Now and again you encounter a band of travellers moving along the pike. Most unescorted, but several in the company of hired guards, just over a broad stone bridge. As you're nearing a rather dilapidated inn, you wind up on nearly two dozen mercenaries heading west along the highway. The armoured men are led by a chain-clad, back-bearded man atop a gallant charger. Some of the mercenaries are mounted, though the majority are packed into a pair of sturdy wagons, each drawn by two powerful horses. The leader introduces himself as the captain of the outfit and tells you your guides that 
you and your guides that he and his men are bound to Trithic, where they will enter into the surface of Thane Poland. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something that those bandits could do. Seems that everybody's entering into the service of Thane Poland. While Gar and the captain strike up conversation, one of the mercenaries, a young man whose axe is strung along his back, wise over to you, eyeing you closely. As he draws up to you, he reaches out and initiates a shoulder cross. Taken back by the seemingly unwarranted gesture, but not wishing to offend him, you reach out and complete the symbolic expression. I know who you are, he says, says smiling. Well met, Zoop. It's my great honour to meet you. You're on your way to becoming a legend, you know. I want to venture to. Well, right now, that doesn't pay as well as I need it to. This out, that's all right. And we're off to Trithic. I might just scout out a little adventure of this time. As the band of mercenaries begins to depart, the young man tells you his name is Prin. He then tells, he then hands you what appears to be a long, curved claw, and tells you to keep it safe. It's a dragon's claw, he says as he turns to rejoin his company. It's supposed to bear good luck to anyone who may possess it. I suppose you might call it a luck charm. May it bring you good luck. Don't think I'll be needing it any longer. Farewell, Zoop. May the All-Father protect you. I now have a Dragon Claw Luck Charm. This is the Black Claw, which you can only assume was a very large Dusk Dragon. The Claw was given to you by a mercenary called Perrin. Called Perrin on the Talorian Pike. Perrin told you it would bring you good luck. So, it's another misc item, and it's another luck charm, which might not do anything. It might do something. It might do generals. It might do a little something a lot of time. It might do a big something one time. It might do something that hasn't been implemented yet. It might have did something, but that was a, that, ha but that, but now it does nothing. Or I'm more leaning towards it does nothing. You thank him for the claw, and ask him if he certainly wishes to part with it. He does not reply. As Perrin rides away, he suddenly turns and looks back at you. For a fleeting moment, you find yourself transfixed by the unsettling nature of his stare, a look of deep, brooding fear. A gaze only hints at the unbridled terror lurking beneath the placid, well-trained countenance of a bewildered young man. It is a look that will forever haunt your quietest moments. I'm not sure they know what they're getting themselves into, says Gar, as he rides up alongside you. Twithick is roiling with trouble these days. I'll, be I'll be best take care with what I say, of course, but... Oh, never mind. If you just want to listen to me go on about it all... We've still got miles to put behind us. The Talorian Pike eventually takes an unfavourable turn, plunging through the wooden hills that flank the kingdom's capital to the south. After leaving the Pike, your journey continues on smaller, less travelled roads, as you wait for a town called Wanderstone. On the southern edge of Dragonmere Deep, three days after abandoning the Pike, you arrive in Wonderstone, hopelessly wary from the world, but eager to begin the final and most perilous state phase of your mission. We'll need to gather some more provisions before we head into the swamp, says Jod. What do you think of this place, Zoop? Can you imagine living so close to the deep? I suppose you could get used to it, but I don't think I'd care for it. You go just a mile north of town, and there's a swamp. Just a bit too close for my liking. Okay, this looks like a, well, maybe not a good place to stop, but an appropriate place to stop. We have reached Wonderstone, and presumably, while we're stopping, 
stopping for now, we'll be gathering those provisions so we can finally go into the Dragonmere Deep, find the Temple of Fallen Tree, and remove that freaking curse. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.